This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. The greenest block in Brooklyn is a friendly competition among streets and neighborhood blocks in New York City's borough of Brooklyn. I care about things, I care about people, and I think we all live together, and gardening is life, and we all participate in life. Initiated by the Brooklyn Botanic Garden in 1994 as a way to both serve and connect with its most immediate locality, the borough of Brooklyn. The competition is going strong, and today we celebrate the spirit of greening and community with past and present competitors. Stay with us. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. With Mother's Day behind us, most gardening zones across the U.S. are now past their last frost dates, and the gardening season is open. This week, we check in on some community-based urban gardening and greening with the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens and their annual Greenest Block in Brooklyn contest. The contest itself is celebrating 25 years in action promoting streetscape gardening, tree stewardship, and community development in New York's borough of Brooklyn through block and merchant associations and other groups. Prizes are awarded for residential and commercial blocks and for the greenest storefront, best window box, and other greening efforts. In this today, we're joined by Nina Brown, the BBG's Community Greening Program Manager, a great job title if ever there was one. We're also joined by Gael Felix, leader of the East 26th Street Block Association, and Zenobia McNally of the Lot Street Block Association. All of these women will be sharing their stories of adding life and green to their community streets. The last day to enter the contest this year is June 1st. Contest winners are revealed in August, and dozens of prizes are awarded for greening efforts. The three join us today from the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens with the help of audio producer Phyllis Belkin. We're starting out with Gael Felix. Welcome, Gael. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. So, Gael, give us a little bit of description on your kind of gardening and plant practice on a year-round level before we get into your participation in the Greenest Block Initiative. Okay. Well, we live in a very urban area here of Brooklyn called Flatbush. So a lot of my focus in my gardening practices are a lot of very drought tolerant, low maintenance, and pollinating attracting type of plants. Um, I like things that I don't have to maintain on a daily basis, but yet they come back year after year don't require a lot of maintenance, and the butterflies and bees just enjoy their presence being here. So Nice. And give us a little bit of history of gardening in your life. Did you grow up with gardeners? Did you grow up gardening? Well, my family come from the Caribbean, and I always watch my mother and my grandmother plant lots of food in the backyard. They would grow rows of cabbage and corn and spinach and peppers. 
Um, the front yard would always be the flowers, you know, the marigolds, and maybe some tomatoes might be added in there. So I, they didn't teach it to me, but I, I observed it a lot. And I guess as years went on, I just took it over from what they used to do. Yeah. And how long have you been in Brooklyn? I was born and raised in Brooklyn, so all my life. And so when did you first become involved with the Greenest Block program? One year ago, uh, I met with Nina when I became the president of my block association in the fall of 2017. And I wanted to get some information about how can our block or what can I do to help our block become a more greener block. We were pretty... um, blighty. We didn't have much green at all going on on our blog. And I figured if I'm going to do this, let me learn from the expert. So I met with Nina. She gave me some great ideas and some tips. And I took loads down and I just, I think, ran with it. And then we entered in the year of 2018, um, winning a couple of grants that New York City had provided us. So that helped assist get a lot of plants and pots and everything that we needed for our residents to join together and um, basically green up our block and enter into the contest. That sounds great. Describe the kind of population composition of your block. Is it mostly like single adults? Is it mostly families? Are there businesses combined with residential Give me a description. Our block consists of a it's, a, it's a row house block of single families and multifamilies. There are no businesses on our block, so they're mostly, um, I would say, middle-aged, middle-class families, some elderly, um, and a pretty mixed, diverse group of people. Most of them are from the African, uh, American, and Caribbean community. And, you know, now we've been getting a lot more diversity with, you know, a little bit of gentrification going on. So we're getting a nice mix of everybody on the block now. And so what was their, what was the block association or the greater block community's response to you wanting to take this on and move with it? Uh, they were like, what? No. Um, (laughs) you know what? Um, I actually took a survey of a lot of my block residents the year before we entered. Um, and the consensus was they wanted to have a block that was a lot more friendlier and they wanted more trees. So I kind of just took those responses and I said, okay, we're going to just green up and we're going to do it in a different kind of way unlike other blocks in Brooklyn. So it took a lot of um, talking face-to-face with people for a few months over the winter time before they actually kind of got the concept of how we're going to green up the block. But once the ball started rolling, they enjoyed it, they liked it, and um, now that we're done it a year, now everybody's excited to do it again. So... I know you described that you yourself have a lot of pollinator plants, flowering plants, a lot of perennials that are drought tolerant and need sort of provide a lot of color and beauty for as little maintenance as input as possible. Describe, you know, some of the highlights of the transformation on your block in the course of this process uh, to enter. Well, the transformation, again, as I mentioned before, our block had absolutely nothing green on it other than maybe a few trees. 
So mm -hmm. um, to kind of make up for the lack of trees on our block, we purchased a bunch of uh, nice large size planter pots um, for the sidewalks and painted them in a multitude of colors, pinks, yellows, green, blue. So every resident got to choose their own planter pot and their color of their choice. Um, mm. We did several events where all the residents came out and prepared their sidewalks to display some type of colorfulness with their plants of selections. And again, most of the plants were already pre-chosen because I purchased them, but they were also, like I said, to be drought tolerant because we have a very sunny block and so it dries very easily. And also because we have very busy schedules, we don't have a lot of time to go outside to water them on a daily basis. So I thought mm -hmm. this would be the best mix. Um, and also, too, there's a lack of uh, pollinators in our community now because there's not enough trees and plants for them to come and enjoy and pollinate and do the things that they do. So we thought it was a nice way to kind of build a relationship with wildlife as well. Mm -hmm. Give me a list of the plants that sort of come to mind that you included when you say pollinator-friendly, drought-tolerant. Okay. A lot of them were bee balm. Mm. Yarrows, echinaceas. Uh, we also did some mints, lavenders, uh, lobelias, milkweed, black eye susans. Yes, I had black eye susans. Um, I did mention marigolds. We had coleuses, although they're not too pollinated. Um, <laughs> and then, did you have um, shrubs and trees as well mixed in, or or mostly the flowering perennials? Majority of them are the flowering perennials. We don't have a lot of, the trees will have to be most likely installed by the city for our community uh, where we live. So mm -hmm. we just worked with the trees that we already have existing on our blocks and basically just add really like low maintenance ground covers uh, for those particular trees. And mm -hmm. uh, depending if they were sunny or shady, we just put plants according to what was the best practice for where they were located. So I'm getting a sense of like the really fragrant plants that you mentioned of the lavender and the bee balm and the mints. And I'm seeing um, a lot of medicinal uses for these plants as well as pollinator friendly um, so it, it, it seems really lively and multi, um, multi-beneficial. When you talked about the grants that you got, what would you say was the total cost of this endeavor for your, for your block? $5,000. Yeah. And when you look back over the cost and the time, what are the greatest values and, um, like, what were what are the greatest joys for you in in the results of this effort and input, Gael? Honestly, it was the community coming together. We didn't have a very uh, cohesive block of residents. Being entering into the greenest block in Brooklyn had really formed a lot of new relationships on the block among the residents. Mm -hmm. To me, that was my biggest joy. Um, as mm -hmm. well as, of course, just walking along our block and just feeling a sense of 
peace and you feel happy, you, you feel good. And, um, and it's not just my personal opinion. We do have a lot of visitors that come by and just enjoy walking on our block because of the flowers that are there. And we also wanted to add a twist with just being green, but also being educational to the community. So we also instilled a lot of signage about protecting nature and enjoying it in a humorous kind of way. So people just enjoy being there. It brings a sense of peace and joy. And that's really the feeling that we wanted when people come on our block and also just living on the block. When you look back over the year, would there be a sort of personal anecdote or story about you or other people coming together where you saw, you, you you mentioned that some of the people were like, what? But then they came along and then they started to get kind of lit up. And would you have an anecdote to share about like a memory you have of somebody kind of getting the hook of the garden love in them? Let me see. Wow. There, <laughs> there are many stories. Um, I think a lot of it is people are a bit hesitant to kind of like reach out there and do something different. So I, I had to be a model a lot of times. So I would be outside every day, sometimes five in the morning, out there watering. And people would just eventually come out and they're like, you know what, just watching you inspires me. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do this. And it's just kind of funny just listening to people do that because they would not do it. They would just watch me. And then after a few days, like, I'm doing this because you're doing this and I want to be a part of the process. Um, and I just think, I just enjoy that because it's, it's, it's kind of cute. But, you know, it takes a lot of work to get people to shift their mindset a little bit. They're a little shy about it, but then they come along and they enjoy the process and they do it kind of slowly, but they come out. And, and it's a good thing, you know, and that's what I, I just enjoy seeing that, you know, and it's done on different levels with everybody on the block. Is there anything else you would like to add, Gael? Well, I would like to add for anybody who's just looking to green up their community is to just do it. Don't be discouraged. I, I, I hear a lot of other blocks that want to green up and they, they're very much like, well, nobody wants to come together. And I was like, you know what? Then you just take the lead and you just do it. And people will join in and they will follow you. And, you know, it, it, it starts with one person and it goes from there. You just got to have a passion for it and just go for it. So I just tell everybody, just go and do it. Just green up. Thank you very much for being with us today. It was a real pleasure to speak with you. I hope I get to meet you in person sometime, Gael. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate it. I hope we do get to meet soon as well. When the Brooklyn Botanic Garden was founded more than a century ago, New York City was quickly being developed into a cityscape of buildings and paved roads. Creating a public garden was one way to ensure that some green space remained. Today, the garden has come to represent the very best in urban gardening and horticultural display. Today, we're speaking with three gardeners involved in the Brooklyn Botanic Garden's famous 25-year-old The Greenest Block in Brooklyn competition. We'll be right back after a break to hear more. Hey, I cannot believe how soon summer has arrived. 
my youngest daughter graduates from high school in just a few short weeks. The roses have had their first full, heady flush of flowers, and after the fires of fall and the rains of winter, the wildflowers and roses alike bloomed with such enthusiasm this year. I've been watering and weeding and cutting back, deadheading those same roses so that they might burst into bloom again close to my daughter's graduation festivities. The native salvias and buckwheats are just starting to hit their stride here. And while the grasslands are fading from the brilliant green of spring to the warm wheat color of summer, the forests and foothills have deepened into their more mature, deep green shades. The bumblebees are also back. Four different species of them in John's garden so far just this season. The hummingbirds are also so busy. And the monarchs and swallowtail butterflies, anise swallowtails and pipevine swallowtails, among the few, they glide silently across the garden and meadow daily. So too, mosquitoes and ticks, and a beetle that I'm watching carefully on the very roses I was telling you about. It's these daily, weekly, seasonal shifts that I love to watch, to take note of, they make me feel more at home as a result. In reading the UN report published last week as to all the damage we as humans have wrought on this planet, I am, as I'm sure you are too, heartbroken, despairing. And while I know one garden alone cannot compensate for the massive loss of species we're witnessing on a global level, I know too that combined our gardens can be part of the help and the solutions. They can be bridges and refugia from chemicals and lost habitats. They can be bridges to non-despair, to hope. On May 5th, I had the pleasure of being a docent in the garden of Dr. Robert Schlissing, Professor Emeritus of Biological Sciences from CSU Chico, whose garden was on our local native plant tour. The tour is a collaborative effort of our Lassen chapter of the California Native Plant Society and our local Altical Audubon Society. There were nine gardens in total on the tour, and we had maybe between 85 and 100 people come through Rob's garden. The whole point of Rob's garden is to attract and support as many different species of native bees as he's able to. And he experiments with loads of different annuals and perennials. A majority of these are native species, and to date, his garden in the heart of suburbia attracts more than 40 different native bees. Another reminder of being the change we want to see, right? There are so many choices we as a culture can and should be making to be part of improving biodiversity. Our gardens are such easy, joyful, proactive choices to make. Plant the change you want to see and tend it with all your heart. If you want more Cultivating Place in your life, you can subscribe to the newsletter, A View From Here. It's the email update I send out towards the end of each month, which includes botanical thoughts, information on upcoming events, book or garden reviews, and more. This is bonus content, things I've been loving but haven't been able to feature on the show. If you love the podcast, I think you'll really love what I have to share in the newsletter too. Head to cultivatingplace.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. 
Now back to our conversation with Gael, Zenobia, and Nina of the Brooklyn Botanic Garden's Greenest Block in Brooklyn competition going on now and making a big difference in its place. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. Today, the Brooklyn Botanic Garden comprises 52 acres, inclusive of many individual gardens. Native garden, herb garden, a fragrance garden, a children's garden, and so on, as well as many individual conservatories. The famed Olmsted Brothers firm laid out the original site plan back in 1910. We're back now to hear more from Gael Felix, Zenobia McNally, and Nina Brown, three gardeners involved in this year's 25th anniversary Greenest Block in Brooklyn Community Greening Competition. We're speaking now with Zenobia McNally, a longtime participant in the Greenest Block. Welcome, Zenobia. Thank you for having me here, Jennifer. So tell us a little bit, like Gael did, about what your current gardening practice is. So you are the Lot Street Block Association. Where is that located within the borough of Brooklyn? And what is your current gardening practice, Zenobia? Actually, uh, the Lot Street Block Association is blocks away from the 26th Street. So we're, we're virtually neighbors, and so in the wintertime, one of the things that we tend to do, because there's very little to do as far as tending soil, is that we concentrate on composting. Composting is always a year-round activity, and we're happy to say that we've just installed a new three-bin compost system. Nice. We think so, too. <laughs> yeah. And how, how long have you been gardening and actively composting in, in your home and neighborhood, Zenobia? Okay, I'm first going to let you know that I come from the jungle of Panama. So Ooh. I love having plants and flowers and animals all around me. Because as mm -hmm. they say, you can take the girl out of the jungle, but you can't take the jungle out of the girl. So, so my yard, my own, I have a, I'm blessed to have a wonderful big backyard. And if you were to look at an aerial, aerial view of my backyard, you would know which one is mine because it's completely surrounded by trees and bushes. I have all kinds of wildlife in my backyard. I have so many different birds. I have cardinals who came to visit me 10 years ago and never left. So I have generations of cardinals. I have blue jays. They're just a little bit too aggressive, though. They, they've sideswiped me in my own yard. And I have, I've even had a hawk. I've had several hawks come in and have dinner in my backyard. Wow. Uh, yes, yes, a poor pigeon was uh, its dinner. <laughs> so so I, I really enjoy the wildlife a lot. And I've tried to bring it to the front of the block, which we also are blessed to have a community garden on our block. Which, again, it was uh, bequeathed to us by Sears. Sears has been a wonderful corporate citizen for us. And uh, they've provided us with a very long lot. And they, they actually made it years ago, about 60 years ago when they had this store come there. They left the garden area, but then we decided that we didn't want to do the lawns anymore. We wanted to do foods instead of lawns. And so we mm -hmm. converted it from a garden into a, what I like to call a gentle farmer's area. Because I'm, nice. I'm a gentlewoman farmer. <laughs> I love it. 
So describe your history of involvement with the Greenest Block, because I think you've been involved for quite a few years. Yes, I have been. We've been involved for about 10 years. We haven't won yet, but we have our eye on the prize. Well, that seems like it's a good year for you then, 10 years on their 25th anniversary. I think the the stars are aligning for you. Describe the makeup of your um, of your block community and what the feeling is from the the residents about the involvement. Is it a source of pride in coming together the way Gael described it happening in her neighborhood? Well, I have different challenges because most of the, my neighbors have their own front yards and backyards. They take Mm -hmm. time with that. So the challenge is to get them from their own house to the community garden in front. And so what what we're relying on now is that there's one apartment building on our block with 24 units, and it's getting more and more diversified. We have people there from Bangladesh, from Pakistan, uh, from Croatia, as well as our Caribbean folks from Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, Guyana, Grenada, and where I'm from, from Panama. So what the uh, Asians have brought in is that they have different plants. They love to plant. They have a lot of pumpkins. Mm. We had a pumpkin that weighed 20.5 pounds. Uh, We have melons. Uh, They love melons. Lots of peppers. So... My big problem, problem, and now it's a happy problem, is that a new set of neighbors came in and they want a plot across the street. So I told one other person they have to subdivide their plot to share with the other person. So I'm really looking forward to this year because I know they really take care of the plots and they just grow all this food and all of the melons hanging over the, the yards. It's just wonderful. It's very exciting. That sounds like a pretty fabulous, like, garden of the world, and I would like to come for dinner with you all. Actually, Jennifer, you can come on. We are going to have this year, it is going to happen. We are going to have a Callaloo cook-off. Well, what? Callaloo is a plant that's native to Asia, but when the folks from India came over to the Caribbean, they brought the plant with them. And so it's most well-known in Jamaica. They're the ones who love Callaloo. And so our Callaloo plants are so massive. When someone walks down our block and stops and sees them, I get a a chuckle to myself as I'm watching them through my window. They stop, they stare, and I say, hmm, I know that's a Jamaican because they love Callaloo. And our Callaloo plants are four feet high with the biggest leaves, better than anything you could buy here in Brooklyn. When is this cook-off, Zenobia? The cook-off will be in September. Okay, so I have time to plan. That's what you're telling me. Yes. And so I've, okay. as, I've assembled people who I have a professional chef who's so excited to be the, to be the, um, the judge. And it's going wow. to be, we're going we're gonna to pick nations against nations. So we have the Jamaicans against the Trinidadians, against the um, Bengali, and uh, a Guyanese person also wants to participate. I'm really excited about this. So... Well, I was going to say, what are your greatest joys in taking part in something like this? But you are expressing your joy very aptly right now. When you look back, Zenobia, over the 10 years that you've been involved in this and the great 
real joy I can hear in your voice over the coming together of peoples from different places and different traditions around plants and food and their communities. Can you share an anecdote or articulate what this wider impact has meant to you personally about kind of changing the culture of our world, about modeling that forward? Okay, yes. I love planting. I love gardening, all of those things. But let me tell you what I dislike with a passion. I dislike litter, okay? And I think that by planting and making the place gorgeous with flowers and food stuff, that people, when they walk down the block, they would say, hmm, this is a nice-looking place. People are obviously taking care of it. I'm not going to drop that piece of paper on the ground, And so that is my goal. My goal is that it will be so expansive and people will say, oh my God, what a gorgeous block this is. What can I do to make it look better? They'll think twice and start the habit of not littering because littering just destroys the human spirit. And gardening is the complete opposite. So to me, gardening is life and we just can't do without it. So once they get that garden there and that plant and those flowers growing, I don't mind the children picking them because yes, they should pick them. They should smell them, touch them, feel them. Gardening is not just about sight, it's a smell, it touch, the taste, everything. So I have no problem with the children picking them. I just don't like the litter. And so by beautifying our places, we make our block, our city, just much more livable. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to add? I want to tell you about Circe. <laughs> you may not know what Circe is, and I'm going to, have to share this with you. Circe is a name that Jamaicans call. See, you have to, you see, this is a position I'm in. I have to know things in different languages, what different countries call the same plant. Circe mm. is what the Jamaicans call it, and then the Trinidadians call it. I forgot what the Trinidadians and the Guyanese call it now in the Indians. And Corolla and Caroli. See, Corolla and Caroli. And then the Americans call it bitter melon, but a lot of Americans, I don't think, know it. Mm. Bitter melon is this, as it says, extremely bitter, disgustingly bitter fruit. But it has 100% medicinal qualities. It is so good that when you dry it and you use it as a tea, it is able to not uh, ameliorate, or, but actually cure diabetes. 94% chance of curing diabetes. And I've known about this as a child, but I said it's very bitter. Oh, bitter, bitter, bitter. But it cures it. And so this man, I told him about it, one of the gardeners for the New York City, and he actually came back to my blog two weeks later and asked me for some of the, uh, the CRC. And I cut the vine for him, told him what he was supposed to do. It had helped him, and he came back to get some more. And so CRC... <laughs> Corolla or bitter melon is something people need to pay attention to. Thank you so much for talking with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Jennifer. The best public gardens are, in fact, community gardens at some level. Today, we're speaking with gardeners, some in the community and one on staff, from New York City's borough of Brooklyn, where for 25 years, the garden has hosted the Greenest Block in Brooklyn competition. The initiative supports gardens and gardeners and encourages mentorship, gathering, and sharing of information and passion. We're speaking today with Gael Felix, Zenobia McNally, and Nina Brown. 
gardeners who have been involved in the competition over the years who are sharing with us their insights on the importance of such community-based greening and gathering. We'll be right back after a break to hear more. Okay, so thinking out loud here. No matter where you go, there you are. That's what they say, right? And that's what kept coming to mind for me, listening to Zenobia and Gael talk about their issues when siting, planning, preparing, and caring for their very urban garden spaces. I could hardly be in a more different environment than they are, gardener speaking. I'm in a suburban Northern California garden with many days over 100 degrees every summer and very little humidity. And yet, it all comes back to this gardening impulse, to looking for flowers and foliage that last, color, fragrance, food sources for us and our neighbors, for insects and birds. The delight we get in sharing, be that sharing a tree with the nesting birds as Zenobia described, or sharing flowers with passing children, or sharing compost, space, and rewards. And of course, sharing sadness and frustration we experience with challenges like litter and dog poop and drought. We're all in this together. And for us gardeners, no matter where we are, that includes gardening. Make sure to check out the photos of the Greenest Block in Brooklyn Award winners for individual blocks for window boxes and community spaces. And don't think I'm not considering how to make it to the cook-off in September. Who else is in? Now, back to our conversation with Gael, Zenobia, and Nina of the Brooklyn Botanic Garden's Greenest Block in Brooklyn competition going on now. This is Cultivating Place. I'm Jennifer Jewell. We're back now with Brooklyn gardeners Gael Felix, Zenobia McNally, and Nina Brown, sharing with us their insights and experiences with the Greenest Block in Brooklyn, a 25-year-old community greening initiative hosted by the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. Welcome back. We jump right into the conversation with Nina Brown on staff with the BBG. Welcome, Nina. Tell us a little bit about the contest and its place at the BBG. So the Greenest Block in Brooklyn contest is one program in a suite of community greening programs here at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, or as we like to call it, BBG. So Mm -hmm. we have um, a few community outreach programs that are all geared towards mainly adults that are free and that exist out within the borough of Brooklyn as opposed to being here on site. And so Greenest Block is one of, uh, well, it's my baby. Greenest Block is my baby. I manage the contest. I've been managing it for about eight years now. We also manage and uh, create the Making Brooklyn Bloom Urban Gardening Conference that's here at the Garden every March, just happened, where we focused on Greenest Block in Brooklyn this year in honor of the 25th anniversary. Uh, we also coordinate the, the Brooklyn Urban Gardener Training Program for community greening volunteers, as well as the Community uh, Garden Alliance for community gardens throughout Brooklyn to network and share resources. We also have a tree stewardship in- initiative st- for street trees, and we do one-off seasonal workshops free in the evenings here at Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. So we do a lot, but Greenest Block is kind of um, 
Well, it's like I said, it's it's my baby. It's one of my favorite things. It's really what brought me into the work that I'm currently doing at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. I, before becoming the manager of this contest, I was actually a contestant. Ooh, nice. So tell us about that history. So I moved to my block um, about 20 years ago. And our block association at that point had been very inactive for several years. And so there was a push to try and revitalize our block association. And so we gathered together, had our first meeting, and a neighbor said, hey, have you ever heard of this Greenest Block in Brooklyn contest? I think we should give it a try. And I remember thinking, oh, contest? I'm not a very competitive person. Really, do we have to make this be about competition? But I quickly learned to just shut up and compete already because it was really, really fun. My neighbors got really engaged and involved. Uh, It got people out. It got people talking to each other. It got me more connected, particularly I became really engaged with street tree care. I became a citizen pruner trained through um, a program run by Trees New York, Um, Mm -hmm. became licensed and trained to prune city street trees. So... One of my greatest accomplishments in life is that I got to know my neighbors through this contest, and they got to know me, and I became known as the tree lady. (laughs) Well, you know, and I think from my seat, Nina, it is one of the great gifts of our public garden spaces to be this source of connection on all these different levels within communities, that they, the, the joy of a garden over a traditional walled museum is that it is open and visible and available and accessible in so many different ways for so many different kinds of people and learners. And to see BBG modeling this out in their community to the world it's an incredible gift to to everyone involved. It's that next level up of what Gael was sharing about how she models and it it you know it gets paid forward over and over and over again exponentially and to see the Brooklyn Botanic Garden doing this is just a great testament to um, there being a real part of their own community. Yeah, absolutely. I I am very very grateful to the visionary educators who decided 25 years ago um, to listen to the people of Brooklyn and Mm -hmm. to create a program like this. It was very unusual for a public garden to do something like this. It was absolutely innovative. And I want to say it was largely inspired by the people of Brooklyn who were already, you know, having those Callaloo cooking contests and having having gardening contests. Um, Brooklyn Botanic Garden was being called upon by, in fact, many blocks in Flatbush to please send us a gardener to come and judge a gardening competition that we're having this week. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the inspiration for creating a public program um, based out of and managed by BBG. So give us a little bit of overview to the history of the contest. So it started 25 years ago. And can you can you give us any numbers on, you know, numbers of neighborhoods that have participated, increases in in entries? Like, give us a little history of the, the arc from the beginning to now. Yeah. So if you could imagine Brooklyn in 1994, it was a very different place to what it is now. I mean, we've touched upon issues of gentrification. Um, 
in many ways, the Brooklyn Botanic Garden was perhaps part of a project that has been too successful. Um, it was really envisioned in part um, to make Brooklyn um, get a better reputation, quite frankly. It was meant as a program to boost the reputation of Brooklyn, to see that Brooklyn, to show the world that Brooklyn was a beautiful place to live and to work. Um, and as one of my constituents has said to me, we worked so hard to make our block livable, we can't afford to live here anymore. Um, so we've come really a, a long way on that arc, but I think that what may have started out as a program about beautification has evolved incredibly into a program about participation and how we can use gardening as a way to bring people together to fight for other things to make our city more livable and to keep the people who are living here now living here, right? So as we come together to garden, we also start talking about many, many, many other things, whether it be um, crime or youth development or leadership development or traffic uh, calming patterns or um, budgetary requests from our political leaders, people get involved, tenants' rights, all kinds of things, housing rights, um, you know, trying to avoid foreclosure. People come together on all kinds of issues because they've been sparked to speak to one another about plants. Hmm. Yeah. They are an incredible connector. Plants are for, for everybody. And every, you know, as Zenobia illustrated so beautifully for us, pl plants and gardening is integral to every culture known over all time and space. It is not the purview of any anybody. It is all of ours. And um, and I just I love those I love those stories. So I I can also hear your your joy and your hopes for the impact of this kind of initiative and community based um, thinking and action. When you think about other people listening to this, gardeners from around the world who subscribe to the program, who will hear it on NPR, what, what, are, what are your greatest hopes for what they will take home from, from this conversation, Nina? Well, I think that maybe some people will take pause and think, hey, I wonder if a little good-natured competition might not motivate our neighbors to get involved in talking to one another and doing something um, to make our surroundings more beautiful, more healthy, more welcoming. Um, and, and then, of course, I, I hope that the, the message gets through that this is an educational program as well. Um, it's a great way to get people thinking about the ecological uh, impacts of gardening. Because as, um, as we like to say, not all gardening is green. And mm. uh, there are many ways in which gardening can be really harmful to the environment. And the industry of gardening uh, can be harmful to the environment, whether it be through the use of chemical fertilizers and destroying our soils, or if it's just putting the wrong plant in the wrong place and having to invest in tons, tremendous resources every year because you're, the plants you're choosing are not durable for the place that they're in, or perhaps people are wasting water when they garden, or they're creating lawns, or they're not in, they're, they're, or they're, yep, Zenobia's telling me. Too much soil in the tree pits, so. That's right. 
really common mistake of adding too much soil to your tree bed because you're so invested in that little square, that little patch, that you just mm-hmm. you, you, you kill your street tree with yes. kindness. So there's, there's lots of ways that you can be green that are just actually um, not so healthy for the environment. So I hope that one of the key takeaways about this program is that it not only gets people planting and um, talking to one another, but also gets them thinking about sustainability, sustainable gardening practices, and not and beyond sustainability, right? Regenerative practices. What are the ways in which yep. we can give back, not just keep taking and taking, but give back to the earth, make our soil better, make our plants happier and more durable? And I'm happy to say one of the things that Gael didn't brag about, so I'll, I'll boast for you. <laughs> Gael's block took a really quick trajectory in the contest, and they, they, they won a special category that we have, which is leadership and sustainable practices. So all of that focus on drought tolerance, water wisdom, pollinators, wildlife, that gained them a quick trajectory to the top in the contest. And so after only a, a, a short time, they snagged one of our top prizes. So, so that's a big part of this as well, that we hope people will pay attention to that. You touched on some really hard but important points of discussion in the gardening community right now. And I like to think of the gardeners who have this greater understanding of, of the ecological, environmental, economic, social, and cultural impacts of their gardens as sort of gardeners with a big G, as opposed to gardeners with a little g. And, and we want people to come in and get the bug, as it were, of gardening. But we also want to grow them along into being as aware as they can possibly be. Things like issues of gentrification in our urban environments is so hard. It's a hard discussion to have. It's hard um, to know what to do with it. Same thing with ecological impact when we are humans and we have houses and cars and we we buy stuff that gets thrown away. Like there are, there's sadly not any one answer anywhere except for to just keep trying and keep raising our awarenesses together. Was Is there anything else you would like to add before we go to see if anything came up for Zenobia or Gael in in the course of this whole conversation? For me, one thing I wanted to say about this Greenest Block in Brooklyn contest is that, yeah, it's a contest. And to some people, that may sound silly. And for other people, it is dead serious, okay? I mean, we're talking (laughs) very competitive people, but all in the most friendly way. But, but the, the, the reason for this is that, you know, urban gardeners are up against so much. I mean, gardening is hard for anybody, but you put it on the street. You put it with that heat coming off of that concrete. You've got to deal with dogs. You've got to deal with, with, with lots of foot traffic. You've got to deal with all that litter. You've got to, the rainwater rushing through and flooding and all of that stuff that our, our urban gardeners face. They are champions. And this contest is just a way for Brooklyn Botanic Garden to champion them. Nina just brought up one of the biggest challenges. I am a dog lover. I am a dog whisperer. Whatever you want to call me, the dogs love me. They don't walk away from me. But not everyone should have a dog. Because in New York City, 
There are too many people who like dogs because they're cute, but don't want to pick up after the dogs. And they also think that the dogs uh, have some super vitamins in their poop and that they think they should go in the, on the, in the street beds, and they should not. They think they're watering the street beds, and they are not. They're killing the street beds. And so our biggest challenge, and I've had lots of people turn around and curse me out, because I have to tell them, do not put your dog in the street beds. Someone told me long ago that uh, he, he's, 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 he was dubbed the king of trees in Brooklyn. And he said, when I asked him to put a, um, surrounds around the tree, he said, Zenobia, I don't think we should put the surrounds around the tree. I said, why not? It'll keep the dogs out. He goes, let me tell you something, Zenobia. I have seen people pick up their dogs and put them in the tree beds. And I said to him, no, Paul, that's not true. He said, yes, it is, Zenobia. I said, so when a couple of years later, I saw somebody actually pick their dog downtown Brooklyn and put it in the street beds, I went ballistic and said to the person, don't you see the sign says no dogs, get the dog out. So yes, I'm a crazy, crazy community gardener. <laughs> hi, Jennifer. Um, I just love planting. Um, and I love sharing the wisdom and whatever knowledge I have with my neighbors and surrounding community and just encouraging them to just green up, just green up. Um, and not only do I encourage them, I also say, you know what, if you need help, you know what, we can maybe get a team together and we can assist. So I, I think whatever we do and just try to expand the efforts of greening um, is encouraging and it just makes our community a much nicer and enjoyable place to live. Because New York is a yeah. very high stress area. So to walk along blocks on your way to the train or coming home and seeing a lot of butterflies flying around and some beautiful flowers, just actually changes your whole well-being, so. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm stepping on your toes here, Jennifer, but I wonder if Gael would talk a little bit about the role that her neighbors, just one block over on East 25th Street um, between Clarendon and Avenue D, which they, are, they have been dubbed the winningest block in Brooklyn. They've won first place four times. Um, and they have also won the Garden Mentor Award, which we created in honor of them because they are such amazing mentors um, to their neighbors. I wonder, Gael, could you talk a little bit about that relationship and how it's developed with East 25th Street Block Association? Absolutely, and thank you for bringing that up too. Um, our neighboring block, I call them my sister block because we're like right behind each other, facing parallel to each other. And they have historically have been known as the greenest block in Brooklyn. As a matter of fact, when I became president of East 26th Street, everywhere I would go, I say, where do you live? East 26th Street. Oh, you're around the corner from the best block in Brooklyn, 25th Street. I'm like, yeah, but I'm on 26th Street. So I said, you know what? we're gonna create our own identity with our greening practices. So, you know, I have a great relationship with all the ladies on, on 25th Street who are part of the gardening committee. And over the last year in the summertime, they would walk on our blog. They walk on our blog every day, actually, because they have some dogs. And, you know, they would just share tips. We would walk together. Sometimes I go on their block, we share plants. And they just have been a very kind and a very supportive um, group of ladies who had mentored us uh, over the summer last year, and yes, they did win that war for mentorship, which was very well deserved. 
And as a matter of fact, if I may say that we're actually looking to do a co-grant together to green up some adjoining blocks to us as well as two block associations joining together to green up our um, adjacent blocks of well that don't have any green practices going on. So we're looking to expand on our greening efforts in the community. Nice. I also nice. want to add to that, too, is that because we do know each other, that's what happens when you guardian. Everyone knows one another. And the ladies, and they are ladies, from the 25th Street Block Association uh, have come to our blocks. We actually share compost as well. So one of the things that we've all talked about and we're in the process of doing is that we're trying to create a community uh, garden district within Flatbush. Flatbush historically mm -hmm. has been a farming community. It started as a farming community and uh, didn't stop being a farming community until the 50s. So it's not unnatural for us to do this, but we've, had, we've set some boundaries where we're going to create a garden district so that everyone within the area will, will be part of this garden district, will grow flowers in front of their house, and we hope to also have tours when we fully develop into a garden district. Jennifer, you, you asked me about joy. This is the joy. And, and seeing yeah. Gael and Zenobia, who are neighbors, this is what is so joyful, making these, these, helping to make these connections, but just witnessing the connections that naturally occur when people get together with plants and each other. So what about gentrification and the way gardeners are depicted in mainstream media? Let's talk about that. I said to you before, the people who tend to do, and Nina could tell you, all the people who participate in the Greenest Block are people who come from the Caribbean because that's what they're used to. People that come from um, Bengali, that's what they're from Bangladesh, that's what they're used to. They do this. I come from Panama. I come from the jungle, literally. I'm used to having plants around me. So that's a, that's a serious issue. It is. And it, you know, and it's up to us, the gardeners, to be really, really vocal about the fact that this is a a, you know, an intersectional space and we are agents of change and it's up to us to like make that change, make that wider mainstream perception much more accurate and much more inclusive. Yeah. And I think maybe one of the gifts of this 25th year of Greenest Block is that we're being able to showcase these stories of gardeners in Brooklyn. Who is really gardening in Brooklyn? And I think that that's gonna, that can help to shift a narrative, a narrative that too often says, oh, white people garden or wealthy people garden. And that when gentrification is good because it brings more green, well, actually people here, living here for generations have been greening. And so we need to tell that story. And that's one of the things we, we're celebrating with this anniversary yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy to be part of it. Yay. Thank you. From all the way in California, thank you for supporting our cause because it's dire. Uh, I, I'm a community activist, as you can hear my voice. And these kinds of things really bother me because it's about keeping things alive for everybody. Not just, not just saying that, oh, it's only because you're an elitist. No, I care about things. I care about people. And I think we all live together. And gardening is life. And we all participate in life. Okay, so I think that developers have to be less greedy and really look at the needy, okay? That's, this is greed, it's pure and simple greed. Mm -hmm. And that's where we all have to come together and say enough is enough, this has to stop. We can be better planners and prepare places for everybody to be here. And it doesn't need to mean that we have to have a, a 39 story building casting shadows unnecessarily. We could do a better job planning our city and welcoming everybody. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you all for being guests today. It has been an honor to speak with you. Goodbye. Thank you so much for having us. Jennifer, I'm coming out to visit you in California. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you so much for having us, Jennifer. I appreciate it. And go green. As an update to the end of our conversation, when Zenobia referenced a 39-story building casting unnecessary shadows, Nina shared more details with us. Right now, the Brooklyn Botanic Garden's plant collections are under serious threat from a proposed massive complex including two 39-story towers just 150 feet from the garden. Towers of this size would block hours of sunlight to these spaces and cause lasting damage to the Brooklyn Botanic Garden a world-renowned treasure whose plant collections have been serving the community and fostering generations of environmental stewards for more than 100 years. Learn more and sign BBG's petition to New York City officials at bbg.org forward slash no rezone. Today's gardeners joined us from the Brooklyn Botanic Garden with the help of audio producer Phyllis Belkin. The Brooklyn Botanic Garden has hosted their annual Greenest Block in Brooklyn contest for 25 years. Promoting streetscape gardening, tree stewardship, and community development in New York's borough of Brooklyn through block and merchant associations and other groups. This is gardening as community activism of the highest level. Prizes are awarded for residential and commercial blocks and for greenest storefront, best window box, and other efforts. Sharing their history and experiences with the initiative today were Gael Felix of the East 26th Street Block Association, Zenobia McNally of the Lot Street Block Association, and Nina Brown, the BBG's Community Greening Program Manager. For more information on the contest, go to bbg.org. The last day to enter the contest this year is June 1st. Contest winners are revealed in August and dozens of prizes are going to be awarded. Music